here tonight. Again, I want to welcome you for coming and making a pleasant part of your worship experience today. And to see guests with us, I'll bless each one, the regulars. They can be very quiet when we're here. I've heard pastors, they go to a small little church and when the wife is there, and maybe two or three others, I've never experienced that, but I, I know the Lord has worked two or three years gathered together in His name. I wanted to highlight an announcement. It's been in the bulletin, I think, several weeks. Uh, in two weeks, October the 7th, the praise singers from the Penview Bible Institute will be here. A group of young men, a quartet. Uh, there's one special guy in there, and I know what you think. It's our grandson, and we're looking forward to having him here to sing. If you like good, lively uh, gospel quartet music, you will not be disappointed. These guys traveled, I think they're 40,000 miles this summer, went to a lot of different churches. I wanted to get to the Cornell, they were just booked up, and so finally we have an evening that they can be here. So pray for them when they come, and the Lord is going to bless. Let's turn in our Bibles today to two different portions of Scripture, Matthew chapter 14, and also Psalm 29. Matthew 14 and Psalm 29. We're going to begin reading our uh, scripture in Psalm 29 and then going to Matthew 14. And we're going to be keeping that open as we share from it throughout our message. Psalm 29, we're going to start at verse 1. Thank you, Mike, for those good songs that uh, went along so well with the message today. Comfort in the midst of storms. Psalm 29, verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Drop down to verse 10. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. And now turning to Matthew chapter 14, we're going to pick up there in verse 22 through the end of the chapter. A very familiar story here to young and old. Where Jesus was walking under the water. Matthew 14, beginning at verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves. For the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you in the water. And he said, Come. 
So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And when they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment, for as many as touched it were made well. Lord, we ask your blessing now in this portion of scripture. Guide in this service, and Lord, we say that only which we bring honor to your name as you challenge us together. In Jesus' worthy name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Our Christian faith is secure as we live Daily, knowing that God is with us, even in the midst of storms. I think you would agree with me that our nation of America is facing many political storms. We, our nation that is divided, oftentimes almost 50-50. Our President Trump is under extreme and intense scrutiny for every word spoken, every tweet sent out. And the Bible instructs us as believers that we are to pray for those who are in authority over us. Pray for our national leaders, our judges, civil workers, and local government. As believers, we have much to pray for. Most of us are familiar with this story that we find here in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. Jesus came walking on the water. How would you have reacted if you were out in the boat in the middle of the night and the storm was on and suddenly you saw somebody dressed in white coming across the water? I think we would have reacted just like these disciples did. Jesus came to his great disciples in the midst of a storm, a raging tempest, and then I think everyone here, we've heard this story a little off Sunday school class, maybe at our mother's day. But I believe there's truths here that we need to explore. I appreciate this morning's standing class. You read a scripture and said, now what verse leaped out at you? And I think that's what we need to do as we read scripture, allow the Holy Spirit to bring new truths, new thoughts to us. Let's begin by noting the background and setting they had here in Matthew 14. Jesus was approaching the high point of his ministry. It was when he was performing many miracles, feeding the 5,000 with just five loaves and two little fish. His popularity was spreading. People were coming from everywhere. We read there that when the disciples came across the, the Sea of Galilee with Jesus, uh, it wasn't long until the people recognized him. The word spread, they brought the sick and afflicted to him. And yes, with his uh, popularity, the religious leaders of the day weren't very happy about that. They felt threatened. Persecution was happening. In fact, King Herod had just put John the Baptist to death. 
the, the, Matthew notes here the significance of this cruel death and it tells how Herod heard the fame of Jesus and thought, well, maybe this is John the Baptist back from the dead. It also tells us that when Jesus heard the death of, of John, he departed into a place to pray. We can just try to imagine the pain that he felt. Remember, John was his first cousin, and they played together probably growing up together. Best of friends. But it was in this precise moment that he told his disciples to get in a boat and go to the other side of the lake. And he wanted to have some quiet time, and he would be joining them there later. And so he dismissed the crowd and walked up the mountain and his prayer and communion with the Heavenly Father. Disciples were aboard the boat, and they were headed into troubled water. The Sea of Galilee is a large body of water, but as you're there, and I can still picture in my mind, you can look across and you can see the village, you can see the mountains flow around you. It's just a beautiful setting, as we were out that day on the boat, the water was just like glass. It was so calm. I thought, and here's where the storm happened. I thought of the scripture, the one that Mike shared there, uh, how the storm came upon them, and they, they would come quickly out off the mountains. So here the disciples are, out in the middle of that Sea of Galilee. Now, they didn't have a big motor boat, uh, a motor in the back pushing them along. They had oars, perhaps a sail. Well, the moment of the storm, and it said the wind was against them. You can just try to imagine the problems they were experiencing. It's really no different, though, when you think of your own life. Things that we encounter from time to time. Um, the unknowns. Um, tomorrow's Monday, and I'm sure most of you have plans set what you want to do, businessmen who you want to be talking to, and what have you, carry daytime, and how I'm trying to train myself day on, on the electronic calendar of my phone. Sometimes I have it one place or the other, and I'm still not quite totally on the phone deal. But you know what you're planning. But do you really know what tomorrow is going to hold? Not us. We hope for the best, certainly. It's another work week, and we are going to meet the unexpected. My wife and I often in the morning pray together and say, Lord, you alone know the phone call or that knock at the door coming to the office who we're going to meet this week. But God is there. Yes, the greatest of joys it can be, or it can be a sudden, unexpected storm. I'm so thankful that we don't meet those things alone, because we choose to have Christ with us in our tomorrows. I would want a day. I would want to face a day without Him. Would you? No. Well, let's consider together three things that we must learn to recognize Jesus. Now, remember, the disciples have been walking and living with Jesus for three years. And you think by now they pretty well would know who he is. But, uh, yes, in some ways, personally and intimately, but they still would know. 
This incident, we understand, was a moment that they didn't even recognize. I wonder, are we going to sometimes? Storm comes and we don't. Where's Jesus? It's much easier to be conscious of God's presence when we're here in church. When we're singing the beautiful psalms as we did this morning, or when we're down on our knees in prayer, studying the word, praying, and God is so close. Or for ministering to the sick and afflicted, for his hands extended, his presence is there. What about the darkest of night? Those lonely moments when you're having that eternal struggle. And every one of us goes through trying times. Are we able to recognize Jesus at times like that? The disciples who lived with him did not. They were too preoccupied with their present surroundings. The struggle of the moment. They felt the wind, the rain, saw the waves crashing. They feared for their lives. As the waves, I'm sure, were coming in over the sides of the boat. Try to imagine the lightning and the crashing of waves and thunder. Maybe some of us just recently experienced some of that here in Mount Joy. We've been several places, and they say, where do you live? Mount Joy. Oh, that's where you got all that rain and flood. I mean, that was out on the news. Everybody knows about Mount Joy now. I still feel bad for those people in that trailer park that had half the trailer underwater. I was reading an article just the other day that people said they've been there 29 years and it never flooded. Of course, they're trying to blame it on the gas lines that the water came pouring in off of where they were working. Well, it must not have been a nice time. What did we get four or five inches of water an hour or something like that? But the point is, these disciples did not have Jesus on their mind at this point. And they didn't recognize him when he came to them. Friends, we must learn to look for him when troubles come. Life has a way of reminding us what is most important, doesn't it? Just when we think everything's going smoothly and all is well and under control, then it happens. Storm clouds begin to settle in and the winds begin to blow. Just when we think that our problems are solved, that's when the phone rings, or the doorbell rings, with unexpected news. Each day has its surprises. We still much to learn, but such is life. Chains are bound to take place. The disciples were about to learn a great lesson here, the truth Jesus is in the storm with you and I and them as well. Now they knew that he was their supplier of all their needs, or so they thought. Yes, they had witnessed. Can you imagine? The taxes were due, and he said, go fishing. And they caught a fish, and there was the coin, David, right in that fish's mouth. Oh, you try that sometime, taxes are due. <laughs> They saw these things happening. They recognized him. He was a great teacher. He held them spellbound. But they had not seen him yet in the midst of the storm. 
They didn't recognize him just as we sometimes have the difficulty in knowing that Jesus is right there with us. No matter how severe the winds may blow. Do we struggle with the thought of why, Lord, would I have to go through this? Why do I have to learn this hard lesson? We need to trust him more. Maybe we aren't walking quite as close as we thought we were. We aren't hearing his whispers, so he has to shout to get our attention. Yes, we believe him for our salvation and for our sanctification. We believe him that he supplies our every need. We trust him for that glorious day when we're going to be glorified and meet him in the sky, our heavenly home. But when everything seems to be falling apart, we sometimes tend to already trust in Him. But remember, you're not alone. I don't know who this message is for here today. And you're going through heartaches that no one else knows about. But you're not alone. God is with us. Our dreams do not always come to fruition as we would hope they would. Be something that everything you wanted to do and read about would come to pass. Third, we spoil. Disappointment and sadness is part of life. I heard it put like this Our address is on the mountaintop, and we've been most of the time in the valley. I just think that went through a little bit. I believe there's more truth there than maybe we even wanted to admit to. That is where we have to depend on God, depend on the Holy Spirit and His help and guidance every day. So yes, these disciples had contrary winds that night. They were in total despair. But could have Jesus been testing them? And us at times, such times, I believe so. He wants us to see that what we're made of and how much we depend upon them. Secondly, we must learn to cope with our fears. Look there again in Matthew 14, verse 25 through 27. It was the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. You see, he spoke peace into their heart before he even calmed the, the storm around them. Fear is a destructive force that plagues each one of us at times in life. Some fear is normal. It's for our good and healthy. And it helps us to avoid certain dangers. I have a fear of heights the older I get. I remember as a young person, I painted my dad's bar. And that double extension, one of the biggest sliders we could get a hold of, went to the peak of that barn and painted it. You wouldn't catch me up there today, people. In fact, I'm not a mountain climber, so I'm not, I have no fear I ever fall off the side of the mountain because you're not going to get there. <laughs> the dictionary gives this explanation of the word fear an emotion excited by threatening evil or impending pain. Accompanied by a desire to avoid or escape apprehension, dread, uneasiness about a thing, horror, alarm, terror, 
dismay and fright. And that pretty well covers the, the subject of the word fear. Now, fear can come in many varying stages, meaning that fear can also be a spiritual force. It can destroy one if you're yielded to it because fear is not a God. God is not the author of fear. Remember that. I don't believe God sends fear upon his people. He made all things. He sustains all things. He holds the key to all things. He's in charge and control of all things. And yet God himself knows no fear. What could he be afraid of? The Bible proves he has nothing to fear. And why do we, as his children, have fear? Psalmist said in Psalm 62, 11, once God has spoken, twice I heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord. And then Jesus, in his very own words there in Matthew 18, or 28, 18, says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So then, my friend, as his children, why should we be afraid? What I'm trying to say to you here, I'm preaching to myself as well. If Jesus had done all of these things before us, and we know he did, why can't we see him in the story of life as well? Many of you have seen God work in your lives, and you know that he did what he did. Do we so soon forget what the Bible says, the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord, and he's enlightened in his way? Then verse 24, the psalmist goes on to say, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. God knows we're made of dust. He knows that we falter and that we fall at times, but he's right there to pick us up again when we cry out to him for help. God is holding our hands. He's with us all the time. He's never very far away. He keeps us in our sight. When all seems to be going wrong, he is still in control. You see, the disciples, I don't think, recognize him because they thought he's back there in the mountain praying yet. And we know that God is in heaven. Someday we're going to see him, but his presence is with us now. Say amen. He's here in our storms. The psalmist had it right when he said in Psalm 107, 28, 29, and 30, He made the storm be still. <clears throat> the waves of the sea were hushed, And they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. Isaiah 4, verse 6 reads, There will be a booth for the shade by day from the heat and for a shelter in a storm or from the storm and rain. And then I like what the Apostle Paul says there in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of self-control or a sound mind. With God living within, there's no room for fear. We must discover him through the blessed Holy Spirit that the power he has to help us cope all its expressions, the fear we come. 
Third and last, we must learn to trust God in the darkest hour. Did you ever wonder what these disciples must have been thinking that night there on the boat? These men reacted, as I said before, just as we would have had we been there. Of course, that's only speculation, but think with me for a bit. Could have been one of the disciples probably felt that this was the work of the devil and wanting to kill them all because they were good and they were trying to get things accomplished. Another might have thought, well, where have we gone wrong? Which one of us has hidden sin in their life? God must be angry and punishing somebody on this boat. Or maybe we can say ourselves in this one. Why us? Why me? We're doing what Jesus told us to do. We're, we're not out of this world. Why this sudden storm? Well, didn't Jesus tell us to get in the boat and go across the sea? Sail on the other side and we're just following his commands? So why is this happening to me? All of us here today have had dark times, dark moments. Perhaps questioning thoughts. We can actually despair if we're not careful. Lord, help us to continue to trust you, no matter what. When did Jesus finally come to them? Scripture says in the fourth watch of the night. That's right before sunlight. So think about it. These disciples were out there all night battling that storm. They were exhausted. That's when Jesus came unexpectedly with his miraculous power and demonstration. And you know, I, I, I try to think of Jesus up there in the mountain, and he's looking down on the Sea of Galilee. He knows his choicest friends are out there. He knows they're scared to death. If I was Jesus, I would have come running quickly to the rain. But I think he knew they needed to learn some real lessons of trust and to know who he really was. He loved me. And that's why he allowed these hard things to come in life. We were looking at that in our Sunday school class today. Discipline comes to all of us because he loves us. That's for our own good. Spoil the rod and what? Or spare the rod and spoil the child. Yes. If you don't discipline your children, they're going to learn. They're going to drop spoiled and you're going to pay big time. Discipline is because we love them and we want to see the best in their lives. Jesus knew that they would not fully know him or trust him until the full fury of the storm was upon them. Often we as humans only turn to Jesus after we've used up all of our doors, trying to fix it ourselves. The last resource we come to Jesus and pray. How do we? We try to fix it, don't we, man? But rather it's Jesus who we should turn to first. As he can calm the storm by just saying one word or two, peace, be still. 
all comes by faith that brings peace in the time of testing. Jesus had told them to go, so why couldn't they trust that he knew exactly where they were and he was going to take care of them? Now, let's not be too hard on those guys because we're, we're guilty of the same thing, as I just said. It's important to recognize that Jesus is in the storm because he has a purpose in mind. Oh, may we find complete rest in him. We can feel and see turmoil. God doesn't want his children to be filled with anxiety and worry. He says, cast all of that upon me. Cast your care upon me, for he careth for us. Our storms can come in various ways. We come through sickness, disease, through, through pain, through loss. No matter what form it takes, fact is, we're not alone. You're not alone. Jesus is with you. If you're here today, you've had a hard week this past week. You're troubled in your spirit. This message is for you, my friend. So take heart. Give it all over to him. And watch him come to your aid. Amen? Amen.